Hey, it's Margot Tantow here. Welcome to Windowsill Chats, a podcast for creatives and the creatively curious. I am so glad you're here. I've spent decades working with artists and being one myself. I've spent time in the trenches, figuring out the best way to get something made, how to put oneself out there, how to get your work noticed, and pull yourself up and face the next challenge. Windowsill Chats brings you creativity from a global perspective, as I talk in depth to friends I've met along the way. I'm here to bring their stories to you, as well as a few of my own, and see if there's anything you can pull out for yourself. Maybe a laugh, something you can relate to, and definitely a little bit more community for your quiet corner. So grab a cup of tea or coffee or a glass of wine and join me over in my sunny windowsill. Yes, I need your trouble. to be able to bring you a wonderful conversation with Bex Morley. Bex is a British-Canadian artist living on Vancouver Island, also here in the Pacific Northwest. We're just a few hours apart, which is pretty cool. I met Bex online in the Make Art That Sells Home Decor class a few years ago, and I've loved watching her grow. She creates joyful digital art for a variety of products, and she's drawn to nostalgic color palettes. She often features fun animal characters and colorful botanicals in her art, and she's also got a great way with funny and meaningful hand lettering. I think one of the great things about this conversation is how we dive into how she came to her art career later in her life. It was something that she thought about earlier, but as many of us, her artwork was criticized by her art professors for being too commercial, and she was discouraged. So we talk a lot about how that came back around. Being too commercial might actually be an asset instead of a fault. She's a quick learner, and her work is wonderful. She turns 50 next year, and Bex, in her own words, feels happier, smarter, and braver than ever before. She's a passionate believer that is never too late to reinvent your life and career, however scary that may seem, and we certainly get into that. She also knows that so many creative people repress their creativity, owning to one small comment or opinion during childhood, which makes them feel they aren't good enough. So this is kind of like therapy, but cheaper, as we go on to say. Enjoy, sit back, see if you can hear some of yourself in this. And just remember, it's never too late to change the direction of your life and start doing something that you love. I am so thrilled to be talking to you today, Bex. Thanks so much for taking the time. And just so you know, it it took us a minute to figure out our computers. So I always appreciate the realness of this podcast because really that's what we're here for. That's what we're all about. Oh, I was keeping it very real with my half an hour technical issues. (laughs) (laughs) That's quite all right. And Bex and I, even though it feels like we're far away because we're in other countries, we're actually not very far away. Bex is just up the road in Vancouver and I'm here in Washington. 
Washington state. So welcome. Thank you. Yes. I would just love to know just your path a bit, you know, how, how you got started, what inspired you along the way? Did you, did you grow up in a creative household, you know, or did you just come to it and and just talk yourself into it? Like what happened for you? I think I was always very creative as a child. I was an only child. I spent a lot of time by myself. So I would always be making things like clothes for my teddy bears or little scenes outside with toy cars and twigs and, you know, creating little little things like that that just kept me entertained. And because my parents ran a restaurant, they were always around. So I never felt alone, but they were busy. So, and I had to not be in the way. Otherwise I was given something to do. I think I could get the lumps out of gravy by the time I was seven. But um, <laughs> Do you cook so as well? I do cook. Yes. Yeah. In fact, I used to have a jam business before I got into doing the art things. So, and that probably all comes from growing up around food. And so I was, um, I was always creative and art was always my favorite thing at school. Although I used to get super frustrated that it didn't look like I wanted it to look. Mm -hmm. So I had that sense from a very early age that it could, it could be better. And I want, and I'm so frustrated with that, that I actually spent, I remember spending one summer holidays thinking, looking at flowers and trying to draw them and thinking, if I can see that it's wrong, I should be able to put it right. Oh gosh. If I couldn't see that it was wrong, then there was no hope. But if I can see that it's not right, then I must be able to put it right. Oh, wow. Um, How so old were just, you when you had that thought, do you think? I was probably about about 12, I think. Wow. That's a good and, one. Um, yeah. So I just thought, so I, and I think it was, I read the book later that drawing on the right-hand side of your brain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I was making myself do that somehow. Uh, yes. Without I, even, without reading the book, certainly. Yeah. Without knowing what I was doing, just knowing that if, you know, if, if I can tell that it's wrong, I can tell when it's right, which means I need to keep going. Until well, it is. That shows up in your work, I think. I mean, you have great skill in your work. Well, thank you very much. And and it looks like you have control. You control what you wanted to do. I'm not sure I have that feeling for myself. <laughs> I, I really can relate to that because I I feel like that's what stopped me because I doodled all over the edges of my you know math papers because that's <laughs> what I was. <laughs> that's what I could relate to. But to me, they just felt like mark making, which I didn't know the word for at the time. And, and I know people have been quite successful with that look, but I always felt like, just like you're saying, it wasn't, I couldn't draw that flower, right? So I wasn't drawing it, you know, mm-hmm. it would stop. Yeah. In, in other words. So when you had that realization, did you just keep plugging away at it? I did. I was quite stubborn about mm-hmm. it. And, and that perhaps is an indication it was something I should be doing because I wasn't usually very committed to things. Mm. <laughs> certainly not academically that's a, um, that's a really good point <laughs> but the fact that I was stubbornly determined to make it look right um and I would certainly put more effort into my art than anything else at school I would spend hours on things and when other people said to me things like well how come yours looks good and mine doesn't and I'm like well I've been doing this for four hours and you've been doing it for 20 minutes <laughs> and I've been spending four hours a lot of what I've been doing is correcting it and redoing it and just adjusting it and you've got to want to do that it's not that it's easy for me it's that I really wanted to do it mm-hmm. mm. that's so, so interesting and do you think that that's guided you along your creative path if you look back that seems like a it's a good 
filter for many things. Yeah, I'm not sure that I was conscious of that, but it probably did. Certainly with my art, um, I changed schools for the last two years of high school and went into a different art program. And as much as I loved it, um, I didn't actually do very well at the end of high school. Mm. And so I was very torn between whether I should do art or music at university. Mm. So I chose a creative arts degree, which meant that I could incorporate both. Mm. Smart. Um, and at school, I'd always felt that I was better at art than music. But then when I got to university, they told me I was better at music than art. So that was a confusing message. <laughs> the greater they, right? Who's deciding? Yeah, yeah. Those all-important professors that we <laughs> hang on their every words thinking they know everything and everything they say is taken so to heart that I failed my first year of my art degree on my visual mm. art but did well on my music. Mm. Um, and then the second year, by the second year, we were told to specialize for our third year. Mm -hmm. And I asked my music teachers and they said, you should do music. And I asked my art teachers and they said, you should do music. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I know. It, it was sure really... doesn't look, if I'm looking at your portfolio and your Instagram, <laughs> I wouldn't have said that. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> It was it was one of those art degrees which was very non-commercial mm -hmm. in that it was it was called creative arts. You were supposed to be creating things that had never been done before. It oh. enjoyed those um, what do you call it installation performances oh, things yes. like that. Yes, and the fact that I like doing drawings that were attractive, um, mm -hmm. they didn't like that. They oh. and in fact they said my art is too commercial which to me was heartbreaking. Oh, right. So I majored in music and did opera singing, of all things. Oh, my goodness. Um, I know, weird one. And I sort of thought, I'm just not good enough at oh. art to do anything with it. I thought my friends like it and I can do like little cards for my mom and she'll always think it's great. But probably it's not something I could ever do professionally. Um, and I didn't how, really know how many people so. are nodding their heads right now when they listen to this. Oh my, it's heartbreaking, isn't it? That we're yeah. so put off by these people. And it was, it it's not that the degree was bad. It's just that it wasn't the right one for me. Right. Had I been on an illustration course, right. it might have been much better for me. Someone that was looking for art that was commercial. And, yeah. and it's, and I wouldn't even, I mean, to me, I wouldn't even, I mean, yes, it's commercial, but it's delightful and it's, it's enchanting and it's colorful and it's well done. And it's, and again, it's just whose lens is looking at it. Right. And we don't yeah. know that at that age, we're just looking, we've enrolled and we're paying money for this prestigious or whatever it is course. And then we're told you should do this or that. And so well, we, we do, right. I guess. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And, and it is discouraging. So I didn't do anything for about 25 years. I went and got an office job. Um, oh my goodness. And then I got married and had kids and traveled around and life took over. Um, As it I always kept a sketchbook just because I couldn't help myself. Mm. Um, I was always clipping things out of magazines and sticking them in and then mm. riffing off the things that I'd seen. Um, wow. So I always had that and always wanted to do it, but wasn't really sure what to do with it until I found until the internet really started booming mm -hmm. and um, I started following people on their blogs 
Mm. and noticing other artists and then starting to notice that they were doing pretty commercial art mm-hmm. too and making a living from it. Mm-hmm. And did you sort of think like, huh, this reminds me of what I'd like to do or? Yeah, I was instantly drawn to the colorful, mm. the sort of colorful, happy art rather than the art that I was told to do at university had to be conceptual and mm abstract and it had to have a deep a really deep meaning like it had to be political or that you were having a mental breakdown and it's like I wasn't really I was have kind of a happy kid and that didn't seem to be okay that wasn't deep enough I absolutely can relate to those moments where it's like I'm not having the same breakthrough what is wrong with me I'm that my angst is not angsty enough I I must have done I must have have too happy of a, you know, my parents got along too well. Oh no. You know? Right. And yeah, I thought, oh my gosh, I'm not suffering enough for this really. Mm, Everyone else seemed to be some sort of crisis and and I wasn't, I tend to look on the bright side of situations, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which actually now I think probably I approach things that way because I try to look on the bright side with my art. Sometimes I think that's um, underrated, but that's a probably another topic. I can completely relate to that though. I, it is underrated and it's, I think being a person who can look on the bright side is um, it, it makes it, I don't know it. I can relate because I'm this, I'm that way too. And my, and I've, some of you have heard this before, but my sister, I remember her saying to this to me early on, like in our 20s or even earlier. And she said, you get out of the bed, the right side of the bed every day. Other people have to choose what side of the bed they get out on. I was like, oh my gosh, I never thought about that before. I do. I just, you know, jump up. Here's another day. And I'm like, sorry, that sounds very Pollyanna, but I'm fortunate <laughs> that, that I, great. I am fortunate that I have, you know, the chemicals running through my system are I got lucky, I guess, but it does when you're putting art and, you know, figuring it out, it's like, where do I fit in with all that? So often when you're, when we're trying to find our creative place in the world, a little angst is helpful. It often is because it means that you're connecting with all the other people who are feeling the same angst. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that is a a way of connecting with people, but, um, and it doesn't mean to say I haven't had tough times in my life. Mm, And I think, um, yeah, I mean, life it can be hard. I'm 50 next year. If I hadn't gone through some tough times, <laughs> I, I mean, I would have probably just been in denial. And from what you've said, some of those tough times are exactly what's landed you, Bex, in this creative place you're in, you know? Yeah, I think that's true. Because if I hadn't been trying to escape from reality to some extent, perhaps I wouldn't have been online looking at all these things that made me feel good. Um, and it was from those blogs that I eventually I found the course Make Art That Sells. And it was almost like when I heard the name of Make Art That Sells, the penny dropped. Mm. And that voice from my professor who said, your art is too commercial. Mm. I was like, you mean I could have made money from it? <laughs> That's not necessarily a bad thing, is it? I wonder how many of the other artists on that degree course are actually making a living creating their conceptual art probably not many of them in reality yeah whereas this was something that actually connected so okay it was too commercial for them but maybe now I could apply that and um, see where it took me so Mm. there for so such a long time there was that real kind of movement against an artist 
and a creator, you know, a um, a crafter, if you will, to pick a word, and a maker and all the differences. And you weren't a true artist if you were just a make, you know. And I remember going um, to the British Craft Center. And when I, I used to um, have the good fortune to travel to London a lot when I was younger and um, going through the slides and thinking this whole association, this whole beautiful building is built and made for craft. It's not, they're not saying craft is not good. It's been highly regarded in England and other, certainly other countries in a way that America hadn't for, for a very long time. And I feel like certainly we've, we've taken great strides in that way, but I get what you're saying, how if you're, if you're in, in, in a whole course where they're saying it's not worthy commercial art or, or whatever, whatever it is that you're, you're loving to do isn't, isn't the direction that they're pushing you in, then that's, mm-hmm. that's going to stop you. So um, yeah, I think that I think you're right about the crafts, particularly, it's as if um, a craft comes out of a necessity and a historical reason for doing something, therefore, it's not artistic, or creative. Um, and, and I know that even, even my mum, who's lovely, but she used to have the saying if we went to a little market and she wasn't very impressed she goes well it's a bit more crafty than arty mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. in, in a kind of quite a disparaging way and it, but the message still comes through that as if somehow art shows that you have some gift and some insight whereas a craft is just more of a practical thing and that's how I felt with the commercial art comment it's like it's not it's not this gifted insightful meaningful deep message it's pretty and therefore can't be good enough and uh, yeah that that's been hard to shake but I think I've finally shaken it well it certainly looks like you have so once you start found make art that sells and and other inspirational people and classes online so how did you approach all that what did you do then I was so all consumed by it at the time I was still running my jam business when I started doing them. So I'd be making jam all day and then I'd get back and I'd cook dinner and feed the kids, get them to bed. And then I'd be online and I would be just like a sponge soaking up all the information because it was so new to me. I'd never used Photoshop. I'd never done anything digital. Mm. I was literally was getting my colored pencils out and some paper mm. when I started. Mm. And in fact, you can see that right at the beginning of my Instagram feed. It's mm. literally pieces of paper and colored pencils. I didn't know how to edit anything. I didn't know any digital skills, technical skills um, from an art point of view at all. Um, I, but I was just trying to absorb it and I found it very inspiring to see how other people interpreted the same information was really interesting Mm. Um, and then I suppose it it was similar to that thing where I was saying that I used to train myself to draw a flower by looking at it and going well I can tell that it's if I can tell that it's not right I should be able to correct it I would look at other people's work and I don't think there are any rules for what you like but there were some things I definitely loved that people were creating Mm -hmm. and I'd be trying to analyze it and go what is it about that that I really love Mm -hmm. Um, and really trying to pick it apart and see then what I could apply to my work and what would work for me without trying to copy it obviously right just thinking oh well I love that there's a lot of black in that maybe I should try a bit more of that or I love that the way that line goes there maybe I should try that 
just little tiny things, sort of clues, really. That's so I love that you brought you bring that up because I think those are exactly the type of things that are okay to take away. You know, it's is it the color palette, but not even. Is it a certain color or a certain mm-hmm. way a line goes or the way the shading is, you know, that then you can take pull forward and and learn from. I you mm-hmm. you grew so quickly. I mean, obviously you have skill because <clears throat> excuse me, in 2015 basically when you found it you started and then by two years later you had an agent yeah that was so it was just dormantly waiting for you to figure out that you were good at this and you could apply it in a way that was going to make sense well hopefully yeah maybe that was it maybe it had always been there and it was just waiting to come out and then it kind of came out in a big rush all of a sudden but yeah I think my learning curve was huge I mean, the, the trying to learn Photoshop was pretty overwhelming to start with. And then I got my iPad and I remember going to England to visit my mom with it and thinking, I'm just going to draw on my iPad. I'm going to limit myself. I'm not going to take any pencils or paper. I'm just going to be digital. And I was doing one of the boot camps at the time. Mm. And, um, and it was painful to start with I'm like oh my gosh this is so weird and so hard because I'd never done anything like that but I'd got two weeks in England and I had to get a some boot camp assignment out um, and so so I just had to persevere until until I made something work mm-hmm. and uh, and once I'd grasped it the speed of the digital compared to the the paper and pencil and the amount of erasing that I did <laughs> um, kind of won me over and then I was like oh this this works really well for me Mm. ah what a good thing to figure out Mm -hmm. so how does it feel I mean I think one of the things that I love about having this conversation with you is is so many people feel like oh my gosh you know how can I reinvent and it's impossible and I'm too old or I'm too in deep in this career or my kids take up too much time I mean you could speak to all those things, but as, <laughs> yeah, as reinventing and you've done it well, um, how would you Thank speak you. into that? I think it's very difficult to reinvent when life is comfortable. Mm, I think we all have one. our little, com- <laughs> we all have our comfort level and we all like to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, discomfort is something that we naturally avoid. Um, and for me, life became actually really uncomfortable. Um, and I won't go into details, but my home life had become very difficult. And when your situation is uncomfortable to stay in, it's somehow easier to make a change because you're mm-hmm. not leaving any comfort. Correct. Mm. So I had to make a change. Um, in 2017, I got my agent, but I'd also got separated um, within a month of that, mm-hmm. um, month before, actually. So it wasn't because of the agent. Right, um, sure. And my kids have also had a lot of health issues, um, and it took 18 months to diagnose my older son um, with a condition that mm-hmm. rendered him completely exhausted all the time. Um, and with a lot of doctors saying, oh, it's just all in his head or 
and it's super frustrating to to and scary when your kids yeah. aren't well yeah and exhausting mm. and i was trying to run a business and it was mm. all it was all happening at once and then becoming a single mom and yeah. so um because actually my husband at the time started working abroad so even before we'd separated i had become a single mom yeah um so it was it was not comfortable at home i didn't mm. have that little bubble to live in that mm. was scary to leave it was scary anyway yeah so that pushed me to to make a change and to do things differently um and to be very uncomfortable and to be vulnerable mm. it's quite scary putting your artwork out there when you know it isn't as good as you want it to be mm -hmm. um but when that's but your option yeah and um so I just started sharing and started doing and just doing it as much as possible. And I enjoyed it so much that it helped me get through all that difficult stuff. Mm. So it was like therapy. It's the best kind of therapy when you can turn it into something that lights you up. It helps, you know, it's a balm for the other parts that aren't so good. And it's, it's moving you forward at the same time. It's kind of a, an amazing trifecta things that it really is yeah and it's all consuming and I think and and I still do music I still sing in a choir and I still play piano mm. sometimes and I get the same from that and not because I'm not as ambitious with my music I, I don't have any I never had that burning desire but it's something that's all consuming like I yeah. can't play the piano and sight read and think about something else mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. you have to switch all of the other stuff off I can't draw and really get myself immersed in it and think about something else because it starts going wrong and I lose what I'm doing. So having something creative that is all consuming that you can really get absorbed in and feel a positive emotion about really helps just, it's a bit like a meditation. It switches mm. off all those other thoughts and worries and fears. Um, and so, it, yeah, it is a kind of a therapy too. It's true. I, I love how you called it a bit of a meditation because I, I find that too lately. I've been trying to spend an hour here and there in the studio and I just, it I get lost in it. You know, the time goes so quickly and you, I'm just reminded at, at of what a help that is. It just, you can focus on something and you're creating something. So that hopefully feels good. Yeah. And it's easier than meditation too, because <laughs> I can't sit in meditation for an hour. Oh my gosh. I get fidgety after 10 minutes with my own thoughts, but with art, you can get absorbed in it and you can be there for, for hours and you look up and you go, wow, that was three or four hours. No wonder my shoulders are stiff or whatever it exactly. is. Because you just lose that sense of time and that's, it's a, oh, it's a good feeling. That's so good. What inspires you? Like, how do you find you, your work is varied. I think your, your style is strong. How do you, how do you get going on your projects and what is inspiring you these days? I'm inspired by so many things sometimes that it's, it's problematic. Um, <laughs> I can often fall down that Pinterest rabbit hole. I'm inspired by other artists often, um, the way they've approached something or the subject matter they've approached. I'm inspired by nature a lot. Um, I walk my dog most days and um, just looking at the environment that I'm in. I mean, mm -hmm. the Pacific Northwest is a beautiful place to be. Mm -hmm. So, so that does inspire me. I, I'm often inspired by the humor in things in the humor in nature. Like my dog is, really daft and she does <laughs> ridiculous things all the time she makes my kids laugh all the time um and so 
that's when I sometimes then transfer that to creating little characters that just make me laugh and cheer me up and hopefully make other people smile too because I think it's it's fun to find the funny in life it's a good thing to be able to do it really is and I I think it, <laughs> this is where the positive comes in handy because when life is such a a melting pot of issues and you know you have to figure your way out your your own way out and to be able to laugh at things, it just helps everybody, everybody involved. And I just think that's a, that's a great gift. And I think even people who are in very difficult situations, um, like people who are in the military or in medical, they mm-hmm. do have what other people might consider a dark sense of humor often because mm-hmm. it gets them through some really tough things by finding the funny in, in sort of darker situations. And my, my life isn't dark, but, right. but, it, it helps to find the funny sometimes, um, well, often, actually, because it gives you that just that little bit of joy. In it your really day. does. I'm sure I know it, you know, it, it creates, it creates, you know, positive, so much positive. That's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Having an agent almost the whole time you've had a creative career, how's that mm-hmm. worked for you? And, and how does license, people are always so curious about licensing and things like that. Has that been easy for you? Having an agent has been great for me because I was, as I say, my learning curve was so steep and I just about tackled and got to know the technical aspects of creating the art and creating repeating patterns and things like that. I had no idea where to start with contacting um, manufacturers and had that massive sense of um, imposter syndrome Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. fear of contacting them. And thinking they'd be thinking, or oh, who are you to be sending your stuff to us type of worry. So getting an agent was very, um, it helped me hugely with my confidence because I thought, well, if she thinks that it's worthwhile, then yes. then maybe it is. <laughs> um, and then it helped me avoid that discomfort of contacting manufacturers. Yes. Which for me was really, really helpful. Now I think probably I could contact them by myself and actually it's not that scary because I've communicated with them during jobs and commissions yeah. and they're just people. <laughs> they are, <laughs> aren't they? <laughs> they're just normal people. And some of them are like half my age. And yeah. so <laughs> There's that. Like, you know, you've got these art directors in their late 20s who seem to have everything together and if you believe Instagram feeds. And right. you kind of think, this is what I'm being intimidated by. Really? Come on. Rebecca you know yeah. so and I obviously I call myself Rebecca when I'm giving myself a telling off <laughs> that's a great you know that's a great point because I think that stops so many people so many people and once you once you can kind of crack that open and be like oh that didn't hurt and look what happens it's absolutely about putting yourself out there putting yourself in front of them and if an agent helps you with that or just a double dare or whatever it might be yeah. you know do it and it, again, it's that it's that feeling of discomfort that we yes. avoid. We don't yes. want to make ourselves feel vulnerable. We don't. We anticipate the rejection before it's happened. And <laughs> and I think the more important something is to us, the less likely we are to do it, because because if the outcome is so important to us, the disappointment seems like it's going to be bigger too. And if you can mm-hmm. just let it go a bit mm-hmm. and not worry so much, which is easier said than done, I know. Right. But um, if we cannot be quite so absorbed by 
are sort of feelings of 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 not risking anything or of being scared to put it out there. I mean, really, what's the worst that can happen? Exactly. They'll say, no, thanks. And you're like, oh, okay. And and it's up to you whether you decide to be crushed by that or you put it into perspective. Um, I mean, I entered, this is a classic example. I entered a um, an uppercase mm. design competition and um, it was for their surface pattern design guide. And then one artist would get selected for a fabric pattern. Fa mm. fabric collection with wind and fabrics and so I submitted thinking well maybe I'll get into the hundred and I was the one submitted uh, I was the one selected sorry yes. for wind and fabrics I was like oh my gosh oh. I I won sort of like <laughs> that's I, amazing I, so like good. A win. I was really it was just because my art fitted what they wanted at that time really realistically but it it was such an amazing feeling mm-hmm and then I entered into the, um, what was it, the Directory of Illustration mm -hmm. annual things. Didn't even get long listed. Mm. <laughs> and I was like, oh, and there it is. <laughs> it just depends on what people are looking for. Again so, and again. All the time. So I thought, well, I've gone from winning something to being not even considered for something. But it's the same art. It's the same me. Yeah. It's just, it's that whole not taking that personally like I did when I was at university, not thinking their rejection means everything, just thinking, okay, it doesn't work for them. That's not what they're looking for right now. Exactly. And keep going until you find those who are. Oh, that's such a good example. And congratulations. That's, you know, oh, it's, that's you. the perfect balance, isn't it? It's like, oh, <laughs> this is it's a good little reality check. Here's Monday and here's it. Tuesday. And now exactly. it's Wednesday. <laughs> like oh and there we are yeah that was uh, yeah that that's a good summary of what it's like to be <laughs> in this industry I think I think you're right and the other thing to remember too is you might have thought oh I'd love to enter that uppercase challenge but I have no chance and it just you have to do it you just have to do yeah, it yeah I almost didn't I was very last minute and sort of like skidded in and thought oh okay I'll give it a go um Aww. so you never know that's that's great What's ahead for this next year? What are you what are you thinking and hoping will unfold for you? Um I've been I love this time of year as mm. as a time to really re reassess what's ha happening in your well life as well but career. Um so I've been sort of looking back over um what's been working what for me, what I've enjoyed doing what I haven't enjoyed doing. Um, and one of the little exercises that I do, and I, and I found it from a, I think it was a book that was called Work Less by Kate Northrup or Do Less. Mm -hmm. um, and which doesn't sound, and I'm actually a real productivity nerd. I love productivity tips and, and I love lists and mm. I love bullet journals and and uh, my kids always tease me because they say that my notebook looks like I'm a serial killer because it's really neat. <laughs> and uh, so, um, so I, because I'm not naturally organized, I'm a bit ADD. I think mm -hmm. it, I, I overcompensate by being hyper organized. Mm. Um, but one of the things about do less is actually about working smarter at the things mm -hmm. that really count. And there's a great exercise in there, which involves writing down on one sheet of one side of a piece of paper, the um, all the tasks that you do mm -hmm. in an average, you know, month, what you're responsible for. 
And on the other side, you write all the big um, achievements that have happened, all the things that have really moved you forward. So for me, it was things like, oh, I got a really good con uh, commission or a great licensing deal or being picked by an agent, whatever it is, you write that down on the other side of the piece of paper. And then you draw a line between your achievements and the activity that created it, mm. that directly led to it. Mm. And what I discovered is that it was only about 25% of the activities actually led to a greater achievement. So things that we think we should be doing because oh, we see other people doing them don't necessarily actually move us forwards. We just think we ought to be doing them. And what the, a brilliant main, exercise. It's the huge, it was huge because it makes you realize. And so I ended up, um, and then you can sometimes narrow these things down as mm -hmm. well uh, into like little groups. And I narrowed it down to the three, three things. It's actually really only two. One of them is create work because nothing was happening without me creating the work first. Right. The next one was sharing the work. Oh, I got my agent because I shared my work on Instagram. I got mm -hmm. the commissions because I put my work, gave my work to my, presented it to my agent. So sharing it so people can find it. And the third one I've just put down is repeat <sighs> because being consistent can it is huge. That's how you go uh, get forwards quickly is just by keep doing it. And I thought that's that's my mantra is create, share, repeat. Oh my and gosh. It's so simple. And it's so simple. So when I feel overwhelmed, I remind myself, these are the things that make a difference. Yeah. And we can tie ourselves up in knots going, oh, I should have a newsletter. I should have a blog. I should have a, a podcast. I should have this. I should have this. And if it's not something that fits in with what we're trying to achieve, then you can do this little exercise and go, actually, that's not what's doing. That's not what's moving me forwards. Um, and if it's something you want to do, like I think I love your podcast, it's brilliant. Thank you. But that wouldn't work for me because mm -hmm. I don't, that's not what I'm doing at the moment. That's mm -hmm. that's not where I am. So um, yeah, it's a, it's a really good exercise to bring it down to the essentials mm. so that it, it stops with all that overwhelm. I, I love that. I, um, I have a dear friend who's a productivity coach. Um, her name's Chelsea. And, you know, I, I feel like so many of these exercises, like I can hear, we can hear, create, share, repeat, and think, oh my gosh, yes, that's brilliant. Um, and, and it pertains to not just creativity, but anything mm -hmm. you're trying to put out into the, into the world, right? But the, doing the exercise to get to that point so you can see it for yourself Mm -hmm. Um, I'll put the book in the, in the show notes as well, but, um, you know, all tasks on one side, all achievements on the other and what led you there. And to be able to narrow it down to that is gold, absolutely gold. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because and it's a good reminder to look back at it later yeah. and go, okay, mm, remember, bet. remember what's leading to the achievements and remember all these tasks that you think you have to do that aren't really making much difference. Yeah. What's that focus? What does it need to be? What moves mm -hmm. you forward? I love that. Oh, what a good mm. share. <laughs> so you can teach as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it sounds like you're setting yourself up for a good 2021. 
Yeah, and so that's what I'll be focusing on. There are lots of things on my wish list. Like you just said, teach. I'd actually love to teach a class. I just can't decide what I should do and how to go about that. So I've got. It's always good to have a list of maybe someday projects. Yeah, and I feel like teaching fits in with your create, share, and repeat for sure. And 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 I would think this is just me putting my you know art director (laughs) head on. Because of how you, I'll say, forced yourself to learn or how you were in the position to to want to learn so quickly, there's a lot of people that are in that place where they're like, oh my gosh, I, I can't figure this out or this doesn't feel natural to me. How do I start? And you can wrap your arms around that and say, nudge, nudge, here's how you do it. Try this exercise and try that because you've lived it. And mm-hmm. um, I can't wait to see that out into the world. Let's see <laughs> you put you. that out there. makes a lot of sense. Just a little positive affirmation. Add that to your list. (laughs) I will. Oh, that's great. Well, such wisdom, Rebecca Bex. Oh, thank you. I have my little moments, not often. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and it's nice to think you're just, I mean, I'm looking north on this beautiful sunny day and we had a little snow last night. Um, Oh, we had a Massive dump of snow yesterday, which Did was you? completely unexpected too. It was like it was uh, it was very beautiful. Oh, good. Oh, good. It's and it'll probably nice be really dirty, icy slush by Christmas Day because this is 2020. It's true. <laughs> We're dealing with a lot of dirty, icy slush this year. <laughs> yes. Tell me, I always love to know, and you wrote it, but like people who who's inspiring you right now. Well, I know you asked me this beforehand and I totally cheated <laughs> because, <laughs> because I find it really hard. I'm like inspired by 20 different people yeah. one day and then I'm, it's, it's just there's so much talent and so much beauty out there that it's, it's to narrow it down to three was just, was just too hard for it me. Just, so, it does, it's just today. It can be different I tomorrow. Know. I know, but but what so what I what I did my my cheat is to say that actually my inspiration comes from a little a local group that uh, I belong to who are all different types of artists and artisans from um, collage artists to like proper painters Hmm. as we were taught at school you know so she uh, as an abstract painter who does amazing stuff and someone who makes bags out of recycled uh, bicycle inner tubes and seat belts and someone and someone who makes soap and someone else who does digital art and so on you know so we're we're a mixture of different skills oh and a potter Hmm. um so we're a mixture of different skills and we're all in the same area of the Couch and Valley. And so we get together regularly, not during COVID, but right. online. Um, and just talk about what we're doing. And we we hold each other accountable for mm. what we're hoping to achieve in the next two weeks. And then we'll meet up again. And often life gets in the way and it doesn't happen. Um, and then but it's but it's great to have that accountability and to hear some pe- from people who are in completely different industries none of them are in the surface pattern design industry mm-hmm. so that's really helpful for me to to hear about what they're being inspired by and what they how they're moving their businesses forward um it's a, it's a good mix because it makes you look at things differently i love that i think there's nothing like accountability and i i've i've seen as i've kind of you know walked through this creative life um how inspiring it is 
to have those friends doing something similar, but a lot that's different because you bring those, you know, kind of other aspects to each other. And I just, what a great group to have. It sounds wonderful. It is. And they're just such, it's a lovely group of women as well. So that's just really, really great to have that. Um, I guess another big inspiration in my life has been my mother. Mm. She has reinvented herself many times. Uh, she went into the restaurant business when I was three because my father was had been made redundant. So they mm. just opened a restaurant. There was no formal training or anything. She just knew if someone else can do it, so can I. She always See? had that attitude. The apple didn't fall far from the tree for sure. Well, maybe not. Maybe it just took me a little bit longer. <laughs> Where was their restaurant? It was in um, a country village in Suffolk in England. Oh, lovely. So it's a country restaurant. And uh, yeah, my mom still lives kind. there, actually. They, she mm. converted it back into a house. Oh, and my bedroom was above the kitchen. So what great memories. You can do a, ch- a children's book on that, I think. Oh, maybe. Mm. <laughs> I'll talk about that. Because <laughs> they're my memories. You don't really consider them very interesting. Sounds completely fascinating to me. Oh, isn't that funny? Uh, but then my dad was getting too old to be on his feet all day. So my mom decided she just bought a, a van and uh, started selling cheesecakes and turned that into a big catering distribution company with refrigerated lorries and a team of drivers and the warehouse. And wow. so she made a success of that too. And then she got hit by a car so she couldn't okay. drive and she was very badly injured. And so she reassessed that situation. She went back to university, got her degree in two years and wow. and then went back into uh, she created an agency that validated adult access courses for getting back into education because she thought that she could do a better job and she did and that still runs today so she has reinvented herself so many times but with no not because she had an ambition to do one particular thing in life mm-hmm. but because the opportunity presented itself Mm-hmm. And she felt that, well, if someone else can do it um, and it's not rocket science, then I can do it too. Might as and well be did. me. And it sounds exactly. like now she's really standing for other people doing the same. Yeah. She's been very supportive. She's going to have to come on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. She's trying to organize a Zoom meeting for Christmas. And so far <laughs> we've had about 10 emails. <laughs> well, so I'm not sure that that would work. <laughs> kudos to your mom. That's. Moms, creative, clever, hardworking moms are the best. I have one too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. She's pretty amazing. Mm, That's wonderful. And you mentioned um, Catherine and Eulalia as well. I did. They are my number three inspiration because even though we live almost like as far away from each other as we possibly could. I'm in Western Canada. Eulalia's in um, Colombia and Catherine's in New Zealand. So we're all different time zones, different countries. We have different styles, but we're all in the same sort of industry. And we met through online art classes Yeah. and just started having a chat. And then for the last three years, the three of us have been continuing to chat in a little group and offering each other support and advice and just, you know, listening to each other's occasional rant. And That's so especially going through the same things. I mean, you have one group that goes through different and these two, Catherine Quinn and Eulalia Mieja are going through similar, but you have your own style. And it's been so fun to watch the three of you completely pushed through, you know, things that were stopping you. Like I, I, I 
can think of more than one, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah it's really, I'm impressed. It is good. Yeah. We're, we're kind of all, we're not the same age, but we're all roughly in mm-hmm. this, around the same sort of uh, area of life yeah. age wise. And, yeah. but we have such different influences and different ways of approaching things, but, but yeah, dealing with often with the same issues. So very cool that you're all in different parts of the world too, because that brings a little bit of a different take to it all. It is. I know it's, it's very odd to remembering that, you know, have you ever met either have, have any, have the three of you met in person? No, Mm. no, we'd love to. Mm. Yeah, that will be, um, we've zoomed, Yeah, but we haven't met in person. Wonderful. Well, I mean, you know, I just think those are wonderful creative or sorry, people that inspire. And Mm -hmm. I think, you know, it's true. There are many and I, I'm, I'm constantly inspired every day by this creative community. And, um, it's, you know, it's a happy way to, to lose time online, looking at, at what you're working on. And, and I just appreciate it. It, it does not go unnoticed. It's really Thank you. Nice. Yeah. That's lovely. Well, and I really appreciate hearing I appreciate you sharing, you know, the difficulties um, of life and how to get through them because we all have them in our own ways and they all look, you know, sometimes they look unsurmountable no matter what it is. And, and you kind of pushing through and figuring out what's working for you now and the fact that it gets to be something that lights you up every day is, is really a beautiful thing. Thank you. I think it's important to find that joy in life and I think if you're a creative person if it hadn't been surface design it would have been something whether you're making jewelry or whether you're weaving or you know it it doesn't sometimes it doesn't matter what it is as long as you're creating something that makes you feel good I couldn't agree more yep that's really good and there's different there's different seasons of that you know Sometimes it's when our kid, if you have kiddos and they're small, it's creating, you know, their day to be better, but it's really nice when it can be really for yourself. So kudos. Yeah. 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 It is. (laughs) Thank you for being here today. I've just really, really enjoyed this talk. It's touched on so many things I believe, believe in, and it means a lot. Thank you so much. It's been a lot of fun too. That's it for this episode of Windowsill Chats. Thanks so much for being here with me. It's just so great to be able to bring you these conversations with the fantastic people and wonderful friends that I've met and made along the way. Make sure you subscribe to Windowsill Chats on your favorite podcast app and please share it with a friend. And if this episode spoke to you, I'd really appreciate it if you would also leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. You can just go to the bottom of the episode you've just listened to and it'll let you leave a review. If you have any questions or want to check out more details or inspiration that we talked about, head over to the show notes at windowsillchats.com or tantowstudio.com. They'll both take you to the same place. I can't wait to share more stories with you again next week. I value your time and I absolutely believe in your potential. Have a great one, everyone, and stay creatively curious.